The following episode contains major spoilers for a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition publication. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of Legend Lore, the podcast series where two dungeon masters flip through one Dungeon and Dragons book at a time, giving their insights on the pros and cons of the publication in question. I'm Adam, and with me is Dan. Hello. And today, we're going over our thoughts on the Wizards of the Coast product, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, which you know because you clicked on the fucking link. Yeah. So uh, this is going to be weird for me because I have kept willfully ignorant of Ravnica. And most things. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I had to di- a deep dive into Theros. Because uh, we did the Theros lore episode yeah. way in. And Theros is technically a Magic the Gathering system. I couldn't do it with Ravnica. Like, I, I just see, oh, there's elephant people. And I move on. Okay, so you're really wrong. I love <laughs> Ravnica. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Dan's really wrong. So, well, I mean, by now they know that. So <laughs> Why don't we make t-shirts with Dan, you're wrong? Uh, I wanted to get mugs made that said, God damn it, Dan, because I think I say that in every episode. Anyway, I actually really love Ravnica. When it first came out, I did a flip through standing in a bookstore and I went, cool, cool, cool. Yes, cool. Awesome. And then I found some online sources, which let me look at the uh, races that they offer, as well as the subclass options that they offer, as well as the monster section. So the actual lore, I'm actually not that solid with. All the different guilds and shit, I only have a loose understanding of. But I've got an idea for all of the stuff that the average player or dungeon master is going to kind of look in there for new, interesting options and ideas. But I didn't own the book until a couple days ago. Hey! And um, I have yet to crack the spine because I've been waiting for this. We are at that point now as uh, Dungeons & Dragons podcasters where a new book will come out and we'll be like, Listen, are we going to be covering this one or can I get it and open it? There's the begrudged like acceptance that there's a high probability that we're going to have to crack open the book on mic for the first time between each other. I am totally 100% willing to spoil whatever I can because Wizards of the Coast is really, really good about not releasing spoilers. They'll give you a contents page and that's it, right? So I will spoil that shit up until release date and then I will hold off on it. Now let's see if the mic will pick this up. Oh, that is the sound of the spine being open for the first time. Absolutely. How's it smell? How's it smell? It smells like a new D&D book, which is very exciting. So before we actually get into it, Dan, what do you hope is in this? Something useful. I know so little about Ravnica as a campaign world. It feels weird going into a completely different mindset going into it. Because as, as listeners of the podcast know, I'm a big Forgotten Realms fan. I'm a big Faerun fan. I'm a big... Greyhawk fan. I like you my like the tradi- classic sword I like, sorcery. I like my classic sword and sorcery, and like the cover of the book, because uh, we have the standard cover, not the collector's edition here, is like some chick with a lightning bolt in her hand wearing what looks like technomancy level stuff, and I'm just like, you love steampunk. I I like steampunk. That looks like sci-fi level shit on there and i (laughs) what i'm looking for in this book is something useful to put in my traditional sword and sorcery games 
Okay. Because those are the type of games I run. What I'm looking forward to here, this is a big book about guilds. It's the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. It's all about 10 different guilds in this. So Ravnica itself, here's, here's what I do know just from Magic the Gathering. I'm not a magic guy, but Dave... Uh, from the podcast very much is all about magic and he yep. loves Ravnica. He was really excited when they released this and he has told me that it is essentially the entire realm is one gigantic metropolis that is surrounded by mountains and you cannot go beyond the mountains. So it is one giant city-state. Okay. However, parts of that city have fallen into ruin. So there are giant overgrown parts of it where nature has kind of reclaimed it. So there is still a natural aspect to it but you're going through the old abandoned aqueducts and the crumbled buildings that vines have taken over. Okay. And shit in some ruined parts of Ravnica. There's a lot of flying. There's a lot of traveling. And there's a lot of um, magical experimentation. So when you see the technomancy here, the way that they have looked at it in Ravnica is they've said um, there are two kinds of magical experimentation that we haven't really played with before. One is warping the elements to be what we need them to be. Is that Eberron? No, no, no. Whereas Eberron harnesses elementals, this is almost genetic experimentations to make a fire slash lightning golem and shit okay, like that. Cool. Okay, cool. Right. Or they do the weird biology where they, I mean, the Simic hybrids is a great example. Are the Simic hybrids in this book? From this book. Oh, yes. okay, cool. Okay, so, so it's where they take the idea of biological experimentation and they're grafting monstrous body parts onto people. Cool. Okay. So, so see that kind of stuff I could use in my campaign. Like, if I wanted to have a three session Doctor Frankenstein inspired yeah. arc, I'd go to this book for that. Right? Yes. I wouldn't. I wouldn't just throw a flesh mo- uh, flesh golem in there and clap my hands and be like, "Oh, this is Curse of Strahd's version." No, yeah. I tried to go to that book for it. So, um, what are you afraid might be in this? Like, what do you not want this to do? Honestly, I, I, I don't want a lot of technology. I mean, from what I've seen, it's not technology. It's it's, it's, it's weird magic. Yeah, it's you, you it, can just imagine that there's going to be lightning rods that harness the elementals, as opposed to there being computers. It, it, there's no it, computers. It's going to be gothic level, Victorian level technology. Not not like if even that. Okay. What I also hope is not in that book. I mean, this is going to be the first book we cover that. Um, focuses heavily on the Magic the Gathering world. Yep. I really hope it doesn't focus too much on trying to translate the mechanics from Magic the Gathering into Dungeons and Dragons. I can tell you right now it does not. There are I, I don't know. You've already said one way it does, where they're being powered by elements. That is exactly what magic is, where they are you have to tap your mana, your elemental mana to play a card. And and I it, look, the idea of there being different different ways to focus and look at magic in unique perspectives and whatnot. Yes, they're going to have that in ways that we're not used to seeing in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. However, they also do that in fucking Eberron, right? Where they have a different way that magic works. It's all based on the Draconic prophecies. Yeah. Right? As opposed to to um, the Forgotten Realms, which is, it's all the weave. Depending on where you go, Planescape, it's it's all about the cosmos, right? Yeah. So depending on what it, what scenario, what campaign setting you're in, it is going to have a different view of magic. Theros is all the gods. This is all about magical experimentation. You're going to be pleasantly surprised when you realize how much of this is not mass-produced technology. Yeah. If you want steampunk and that level of, of thing, Eberron is the right answer. That's not what this book is. Okay, cool. Let's put it this way. I hope there's more TSR than Hasbro in this book. 
Yeah, I would say that there is. Okay, cool. That's a reference to all of my experienced Dungeons and Dragon player friends. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's grab dice and let's roll to see who's gonna flip it open, and we're gonna go kind of bit by bit through this. I promise we're not gonna be as long winded as we were with Atash's one. I don't promise that because <laughs> I know us. All right. Oh, I got a nat twenty. I got a sixteen. I think I've gone first in all of these. Uh, I mean, yes. So, Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. Join the Guilds of Ravnica in this campaign sourcebook for the world's greatest role-playing game. I'm just looking at the cover here. Um, I think this is just a NPC character that's on the front of it. Uh, she's probably important. Uh, I know that she is on um, some of the magic cards. Like, she's featured. Oh, is are we going to see Planeswalkers in this? The, I know the Planeswalkers are mentioned, but the, it does not hinge upon them. Okay. They're mentioned in, like, the history lore side of both of the Magic the Gathering settings. Yeah, I mean, they're barely mentioned in Theros. Yeah, and it's the same level. Okay, cool. Um, they didn't want to get into the Planeswalker level of crazy shit. Honestly, D&D players are Planeswalkers. Yeah, they're they're just high-level Dungeons and Dragons adventurers. They're, they're, super, in they're the superheroes, yeah. right? So we also have Niv-Mazette, who is a dragon. He is a non-colored dragon, even though he is red-colored. Okay. He does not fit into the standard dragon. Are we going to see? A, are we going to see a stat, stat block, block for him? Yeah, he has yeah. a stat okay. block in here. He runs one of the guilds. Is he a rust dragon? He is absolutely not. And then there are a couple of what looks like celestials on, on the back. So there is quite a bit of celestial and fiend shit in here as well. I am a little bit more bought in. Yep, because I like playing with that shit. That is the opening. I'm just going to flip to the title page. And runes with some leaves going by and some sort of ancient temple. So you can see the races have put their thumbprint on everything. There are no wilds anywhere in this except for like the mountain ranges and what's beyond and the skies. So even the wilderness portions where there are no people, there's evidence of people everywhere. Yeah. All right. Here you go, Dan. My turn. I'd like to point out that some of these logos here on this page are like mana from oh absolutely yeah. like it's good that's gonna be a part of it all right uh credits pages lots of people put a lot of work into this what's the disclaimer dan uh disclaimer um for those of you who don't know who haven't listened to other ones watsy has done this really cool tongue-in-cheek thing with every single last one of the dungeons and dragons 5e books they have a funny little creative disclaimer uh this one here is the living guild pact is not responsible for the fate of those who are arrested by the azorius beaten by the Boros, dodged by the Demir, grossed out by the Golgari, gored by the Gruul, imploded by the Izzet, outwitted by the Orzov, Orzov? Orzov. Orzov. Roasted by the Rakdos. Um, subs- Did you just want me to read this because I had a bunch of bullshit words that I would put No, no, you're doing really well in this. I, haven't, okay. I have not seen this disclaimer. Yeah. Subsumed by the Celestia. With it, that is with a S. Not yeah. a, not, it's not Celestia. No. It's Celestia. Um... Or sickened by the Simic. Join or leave a guild at your own risk and get caught up in guild politics at your peril. So I like that. It's just it's just creative. I like the alliteration with that. Those are the ten guilds, right? Yeah. And, and each one of those is very in line with what the guilds are. Cool. Roasted by Rakdos. Rakdos is the evil carnival guild that is famous from this one. Oh, okay. Oh, and um, we know the Simic are the let's create weird biological terrors. So yeah. sickened by the Simic. Yeah. Makes sense. Then we have a table of contents. What are the chapters? Just the chapter titles? So yeah, have an idea. so we have Welcome to Ravnica, which of course is... 
going to be your lore. It's going to be your lore and your setting up of what the city of Ravnica looks like. Uh, character creation that's going to give us a bunch of options for choosing a guild as well as different racial options. Also gives us an idea of where the classes fit in and, and two new subclass options, which is for clerics and druids. There's a big breakdown, chapter two, of the guilds of Ravnica. This that's going to be the meat of the This is going to be yeah. a lot of it. Uh, chapter three, the 10th district. Okay, so Eberron gave us a close-up on Sharn. There tends to be one geographical place that they want you to run your campaign in by getting very detailed. Theros wasn't really much that because Theros has a lot of that uh, Herculean... Yeah, but they no, they went deep into um, into Nyx. There was a lot of stuff about the underworld. Yeah, 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 so, you're right. Yeah. Um, so that seems to be how they do it for each one of these campaign settings that are coming out now. 10th District is probably just one of these regions that is in this big city. I know the city is broken down into uh, massive districts, so... I'm assuming this is... Yeah, I mean, they break the 10th district into six precincts, whatever that means. Um, There is... Chapter 4 was Creating Adventures, which is applying this book to your campaigns. Which is good. I'm glad they're doing that in these five e-books. Scanning through that, there seems to be a big uh, focus on the guilds there as well. That's what this book is for. Which is what it's for. Um, Chapter 5, we're going to get treasure. Um, This is going to have some magic items, guild charms, and coins in treasure, whatever that means. Um, Chapter 6, we got some new NPCs and some new monsters. And then there is a... This is the first I've seen this in one of the table contents. Sidebars. And this seems to me to be a location of all the like little sidebar quotes and stuff we see throughout these books all over the place. I want to say they've done that. I've seen it a couple of times. But normally... It doesn't get like a heading. You just have it added in at the bottom underneath the appendices. Every once in a while, you'll get yeah. aware of the sidebars. This, I'm glad that they do that. Yeah, for this, this straight up is here. And then there is a index of stat blocks on the next page over. I'm so glad that they're doing that. Some of the books don't don't give that to you, which is super annoying. I'm thinking of um, The Descent into Avernus, mm-hmm. where there straight up is, who's the dude that drives around on the motorcycle through the waste that he's just doing his the own tr- uh, the The jester, I think, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that, right? Like, he's a trickster kind of character. And he's just dicking around. But he's not... His stat block is listed in the middle of a chapter. It's not with the rest of the monsters and stuff. Yeah, it's annoying. So when you go looking for it, you're like, what the fuck? You just have to flip pages till you find and, it. And this is all over the place with that. And you're right, Niv-Mizet is in here. Um, yeah, so... As well as a bunch of other really cool named things. The Cackler. I, I, I want to know what that is. I, I do know what that is, and you will like that. Okay, yeah. cool. And then there's just a letter here. Which, doing a quick scan, looks like a... Tiny just gets you in the frame of mind of understanding what a guild pact is and everything else. And then the response, which is a nice little note from someone named Jace, who I'm assuming is our cover model. I don't think so. Jace, I know, is a planeswalker. Okay, cool. Well, here you go. Your turn, Adam. Get All right, started so here. back to me. Welcome to Ravnica. All right, so uh, it goes through it's the city of guilds, and it's going to give us a quick breakdown of all of the guilds, um, and then it gets into the history of Ravnica and the guild pack. The guild pack, from what I can remember talking to Dave about, so very second, third-hand knowledge almost on this, is the guild pack is a truce. It's a treaty to keep the 10 guilds in power and to make sure there's no war breaking out. However, Jace, who was uh, this planeswalker, had really overseen this, and now Jace is gone. And so things are starting to get a little bit wonky again. And that's the plot line that we're dealing with, uh, which is why the next section here, the subtitle is The Precarious Peace. And then it gets into Life in the Big City, Comforts of Civilization, 
Uh, life in the big cities gives us the Ravnica currency. There's cosmopolitan conveniences, including a cup of coffee, a newspaper, pendulum clock, spectacles, and a spyglass. The different languages and what they mean. So um, giant, for example, is spoken typically by ogres and giants, but it uses the minotaur script. Oh, that's really useful. Also do like, uh, we just kind of skimmed over. I do like the fact that there's like eyeglasses and shit in this now. Yeah. Um, and so before we move on to chapter one, to save us all a whole lot of headache, I'm going to go through the 10 guilds with their little paragraphs they have here so that we can just know what you're talking about the rest of the fucking book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we need that here. Yeah. So there's the Azorius Senate. That's the first one. Uh, it functions as the government of Ravnica built on the three columns of a legislative, judicial, and executive branch under the leadership of Isperia. The Sphinx Supreme Judge. I like that. Uh, a guild of judges and justices and politicians. And, and law, like lawmakers, and they also keep the law as well. Is this where we're going to find a police force for I Ravnica? No, I don't think so. Because there's the Boros Legion, who's led by the angel Aurelia. The Boros Legion pursues the cause of justice, uh, not merely law enforcement. Boros serves as Ravnica's standing army. Okay, so uh, Azorius is going to be your lawmakers. Lawmakers, the Boros Legion will be are your law keepers, your your enforcers. Okay. Then there's House Demir. Demir is in the business of information, operating his espionage organization behind a facade of messengers, investigators, and archivists. Its enigmatic leader, Lazav, wears many faces. So you're seeing we're also getting a guild leader for each one of them too. And these are all super powerful. I'm recognizing some of these names. I think we get a break, like a stat breakdown for each of these yes. guys too. Yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not knowing anything about this. I'm really hoping this Lazov guy is a, uh, that lich with four skulls, uh, uh, skull lord. Three skulls, but yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a Golgari swarm, an elf lich named Jarod guides the Golgari Swarm's masses as they lurk in the Undercity where they process the city's waste and see to the new life that emerges from death and decay. What kind of druid do we get here? Circle of Spores. That, that, he's directly linked with the Golgari Swarm. Which is their... Death and decay druid. Yeah, I yeah, I love that. That's, yeah, that's we, a lot of fun. We needed that tone because everything up until this point has been like, I like trees. Yeah, it's, it's been the hippie tree hugger shit. Yeah. And, and this is going to be your first one that like... Not guys, shit scary. There's the Gruul clan, and these are clans. Raging against civilization and its defilement of the natural world, the loose alliance of the Gruul clans is led by the Cyclops, Borborigimos. Okay. So they're going to run around in the uninhabited portions of the city and tear down the civilization and promote nature. A lot of barbarians and druids in this. As a side note, uh... A lot of people who listen know I like World of Warcraft and this little war. Like, there should be a trademark issue here because Gruul exists in WoW and is also a gigantic Cyclops. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. yeah. Is it spelled the same way? U U L? G R U U L. Spelled the same way. So yeah. I'm like, uh. I don't know if Ravnica came out before or after uh, World of Warcraft. This would have been. Wow, I, 16 I years you. old now. Like, I think Ravnica is old too, though. I, I couldn't. Tell I, I, would, I would assume they came out roughly around the same time. Honestly, they could be inspired by the same piece of lore or myth or yeah. something that we just don't know. Well, Adam. Yes, Daniel. This has nothing to do with Ravnica. Which tends to be your uh, yeah your mo today. Do you know why Blizzard made the Warcraft games? No, they had a contract with Games Workshop, who are the creators of Warhammer, yeah, to make a video game, 
and that contract fell through. I, I, this might be an urban legend, but this contract fell through right before the game was done. So they already had 90% of the assets. They already had most so of the game So they just did built. a rebrand. They so they just rebranded and reskinned it to be this RTS game with these new unique characters. Cool. And uh, people loved it. And it spawned out from there, right? Yeah. To be the biggest video game that has ever been made. Um, Minecraft. No. Fortnite. More no. No, not Fortnite? No. Fortnite Fortnite is just where you go to if you want to have a 10-year-old call you a pussy. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do the dance. Am I doing it? Am I, is it... More on the hips. Audio like, audio medium. No, because you're just standing there making weird noises yeah, at me. Yeah. And I'm like, this is how Adam sounds like during sex. Next on the list is the Izzet League, which is led by the dragon Niv-Mazet. And the Izzet League is a guild of scientists and engineers who build and sustain Ravnica's infrastructure while conducting wild experiments and magic, efforts that usually involve barely controlled elemental energy. Cool. This is going to be where your artificers are going to come into play. Oh, 100%. I can't get the Cockney accent out of my brain. Hearing the... Isn't it? No, like, no, is it? I know it's is it, but like... Yeah. Uh, that there's it. Uh, Niv-Mizet, isn't it? Yeah, Like, okay. no, no. Uh, next up is the Orzhov Syndicate. A sinister combination of church, bank, and organized crime syndicate. I'm sorry. Say that again? A sinister combination of church, bank, and organized crime syndicate. Okay. The, uh, Middle Ages Catholic Church. Check. Yeah, yeah the Orzhov Syndicate... Is controlled by the Obzidat, a cabal of ancient spirits often called the Ghost Council. Cult of Rakdos. The demonic cult of Rakdos is the jester in Ravnica's culture, using satire and performance to skewer the powerful and embolden the weak. But it is a cruel and bloodthirsty jester in the manner of its demonic leader, and it supplements parody and levity with blood and fire. Also sells Fago. I don't get it. Insane Cloud Posse. I don't get it. I am not a juggalo and I've never... Oh, anyone who knows anything about juggalos right now, they're laughing at that reference. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Just moving right along. (laughs) Celestia Conclave. The Celestia Conclave is led by the Tristani, three dryads who are fused together with one another and with Matt Celestia, a manifestation of the soul of the world. The guild seeks to bring nature and the city into balance. Three dryads fused together... With one another and with Matt Celestia, which is a manifestation of the soul of the world. So this is your deep magic. Yeah, this this is, in your campaign, this would have been like the green. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be your mother nature. Yeah. Cool. And then the last one, of course, is the Simic Combine. Under the leadership of Prime Speaker Zagana, the biomancers of the Simic Combine apply magic to the life sciences, striving to create a harmonious future where creatures of all kinds are perfectly adapted to their ever-changing environment, the Simic magically hasten the process of evolution and adaptation of life. Cool. Evolution's cool, but it's too slow. I really like how we're standing up right now, but wouldn't it be cool if we had nine legs? <laughs> so <laughs> These are people who do like tabs of acid and then figure out what kind of weird thing to make that elf. So um, I'm going to hand this over to you uh, for the next chapter, but before we go on, that is 10 radically different, unique kinds of guilds even the ones that are kind of aligned like you see that like there's a couple of these nature-based ones they're not necessarily they're, like, they're they've got similar goals but different methods oh yeah and so i just wanted to get your opinion dan do those does it interest you so far before we dive into it um i mean yeah i like i like these guilds i mean they feel very specific to ravnica 
So I'm really hoping that there's a lot of guidance to just making generic guilds. I will tell you right now, you probably can't, but I think that you could just pull Ravnica out of it and plunk any one of these guilds into your own home. Remove the world. bullshit names, add your own bullshit names, and yeah, you're good. But it's not it's not built to be generic. You will need to reskin. And it works so well for Ravnica that if you just take the oh, the Golgari Swarm, for example, who deal with the processing waste in the city. Yep. You could pull that out and you could have this kind of crazy death life cult in Waterdeep. Hmm. Right? Or in Baldur's Gate or in Sharn. You don't need to necessarily keep them in Ravnica, but you'd have to cut some stuff out to yeah. do it. Yeah, for sure. All right, so our next section here is uh, Chapter 1, which is character creation. we got a nice picture here of a Loxodon, a uh, Simic hybrid, and random Joe Schmo human. I assume that's a random Joe Schmo human. So Loxodons, for those of you who don't know, are elephant people. Elephant people. Um, and Simic hybrid are crab. No, they're not. They're, well, they're, they're... They're usually elves, but often halflings or um, Vettelkin. Yeah. Which are another new race here. Yeah. Uh, who will go through genetic manipulation and replace body parts with creature parts. Yeah. It's, they're super cool. Anyways, um, so chapter one here is character creation, which we start off with choosing a guild for your characters. So I think they're trying to get across this point that when you start the game, you choose a guild and you probably start as an aspirant in that guild or some sort of entry level position. They will go through in the guilds about the different levels within the guilds themselves and so yeah you would start off at an entry level yeah uh it also looks like the guilds just judging by this replace your background is that what it says yeah well it says with a guildless character if you don't have a guild choose a character background and um or another source instead of one of the guild background options in, in the next chapter. It also gives you some suggestions on how to find a guild that's going to be good for your character, including sure. a uh, flowchart that we'll get to that's in a helpful. second. Yep. Yeah. Then it's going to go over race and class. Every single guild is got suggested race and classes for those guilds. I mean, exceptions exist, but when you are choosing your guild, your like your class and your race are going to matter more for this. I actually do like this because it gives you a little bit more... Um, Incentive to lean certain directions. Yeah. It narrows that sandbox when you're doing character creation for generating a background and, and stuff like that. It makes it a little bit easier to get that stuff done. I know a lot of people get overwhelmed by the amount of options they have now when it comes to backgrounds and this kind of stuff. Well, here's the other thing to keep in mind as well. While all of the classes and subclasses are available in Ravnica, the races are not... Hmm. The ones that are listed in the book are the ones you can play. Period. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like that in Theros as well. That's that's nutty because there's a lot of omissions here. I'm not a fan of that. Oh, I very much am a fan of that because it gives you a radically new flavor. If you are playing in Ravnica, sure. If you, if you are translating out. Uh, if I'm translating out... You do what you want to do. Yeah. If I'm going to run with an average D&D group and we just wanted to pick up Ravnica because it's really fun and we come from magic, I'm probably going to let them play the gnome and have gnomes in it, even though gnomes aren't in the book. However, if I want to take my experienced D&D party and experience something new and play in Ravnica, I'm absolutely going to follow these uh, restrictions. Um, funny that you say this because in the choosing a guild side of things, it does say if you have access to Magic the Gathering cards... From a Ravnica set, you can find a card that appeals to you and build that character in this. Yeah. Or if you're a Magic player and you already have a favorite guild, create a character from that guild. Yeah. Then we're going to get into building a party, which is 
uh, gives you some sort of instruction on to putting together a uh, unique, diverse party and giving you some ideas as to why those people would be together, even if they're parts of different guilds. Yeah, that, that's useful. Right. And it even gives you some D8 charts onto a kind of focus or makeup of the party where if you guys are starting campaign for the first time, you could roll a D8 to figure out what kind of party you're building. Oh, that's helpful. Yeah. So like a one guild party, everybody's in the same guild or a chaos party. Which includes a girl druid, a girl barbarian, a Rakdos warlock, and a Rakdos rogue. And it goes through, there's eight options there, and then it gives you another D8 for a common cause. Why are you two together? Or why is your party together for this cause? Another D8 thing. As for races, as you mentioned, if you're playing in Ravnica, there's only these selection of races you could choose from. You could be a human, an elf, a centaur, a goblin, a loxodon, a minotaur, a simic hybrid, or a vetalkin. Yeah. Now, loxodons, minotaurs, and centaurs were downgraded into being medium-sized creatures because of this setting. Yeah. And that still holds true in Theros. However, in the rest of the Forgotten Realms and the rest of D&D, they're still considered large-sized creatures. So if you're going to take one of these races and port them over to Forgotten Realms, you need to reconcile that difference with your DM. It does say here that aside from humans, elves, and a smattering of half-elves, the races of the player's handbook are unknown on Ravnica. No dwarves. No dwarves. No halflings. No gnomes or tieflings or dragonborn. Yeah. No orcs or half orcs. Yep. Mm, I don't like it. Anyways, so we're going to move on. Gives you a height and weight for uh, uh, height and weight chart for the new races, assuming human and elves are going to be much the same as what yeah. Well, it's Vettelkin, I think, that are going to keep people the most interested because it's a new phrase that if you don't know Ravnica, then you don't know Vettelkin. Yes, Simic Hybrid along the same line as well, but. The thing that really bothers me, Minotaur. Base height is five foot four for a Minotaur. That's what I say. They downgraded them to their their little calflings. Uh, you could have a bigger Vettelkin than a Minotaur. Yeah, Vettelkins are supposed to be tall and tower over you. It gives you uh, some ideas about humans and elves in them, but this flow chart, which is the questionnaire, is the thing I want to go over next. It asks what's important to you, and from there, you follow this flow chart down to see what guild you're a part of. That's really fun. Yeah. I'm glad they do that. It gives you some ideas for humans, a breakdown for elves. And then um, once the humans and elves are out of the way, it also says dark elves aren't drow. They are Devkarin elves. Okay, so they've got a new word for it. Yeah. Uh, wood elves are the Silhana and high elves are their elves. They're just elves. Um, but the high elves of Ravnica have been subsumed into the Simic Combine. So all high elves are Simic. Yeah, like, I'm totally cool that they did shit like that for Eberron, too, and everybody loved it. And then when they did it for Ravnica, people online started to bitch. And I'm like, guys, calm down. Um, now we have our Centaur. And, I mean, we are going to be doing coverages of these races later. Deeper dive in separate episodes on the regular podcast. So we've already mentioned what they are. They are medium-sized. Half-human, half-horse. Half-human, half-horse. Like, is traditional. Just in like me when I take fantasy. my pants off. Not quite. Four legs? Ah, uh, three anyway. Anyways, there is a big focus on nature to the centaurs in uh, Ravnica. For the minis, they all have mohawks and shit too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, They're pretty cool. Uh, Then it gives you goblins. It's not the kind of goblin you get in Forgotten Realms. No, very much not. These are green-skinned goblins. And it gives you the basic goblinoid traits. Loxodon, which are elephant elephant people. people, But they tend to be very calm and wise and... 
they have that kind of feel to them. They're, they're almost like turtles as far as like long lived and exactly. But yeah. it also says they're gifted stone workers, so they are crafters as well, which I yep. really really like. Then there's uh, Minotaur, which I mean, you you get what you get with Minotaur, folks. You know what they are. Simix, we've already gone about what Simix. I gotta are. say, half of the stuff with the Minotaur in this though is bull. You're utterly ridiculous. Anyway, Simix, um, don't get too crabby. They have... You keep saying crab because the mini has a crab arm and some of the art does as well. A lot but of the art does. But they, like They take elves and shit. give them crustacean bits. Like but The idea is that their experimentation usually works the best with aquatic creatures. So you can get like a jellyfish stinger or like an octopus tentacle or shit yeah. to replace an arm as opposed to a crab. It, it says here, all, augment, all are augmented with characteristics of animals, mostly aquatic, reptilian, or amphibian. So there's a bit of a water theme to them. Yeah. Which I guess because they were blue mana. I don't know. I don't know enough about magic. I I, I don't know. I, I did not play magic when Ravnica was a thing. Yeah. So. And finally you have Vettelkin. Uh, Vettelkin are tall, cool, blue skinned. They're hairless. Absolutely hairless. But they are all about being rational and gaining perfection through reason. This is where you're going to get your wizards and your artificers. You get two... Uh, what are called social stat boosts here. You get intelligence and wisdom yeah. together. That's relatively unheard of because usually you get one physical, one social when you, when you're building a race. Or two physical. Or two physical. Not in this case. Here you get two social. So that brings us to all of our races. Any, any additions you have there, Adam? I like this. I like that it's limited. I like that we get weird goblins. I like the fact that we've got elves and a smattering of half elves, but not many. Yeah. I'm glad that we are rid of dwarves and, and halflings. I really like these, but Ravnica feels different now. Yes, it does. And I like that it feels different. It feels different in the right way. I'm going to steal the book from Dan here and talk about the classes by guild. So it goes through each one of these. Um, it gives you a breakdown of the subclass and which guild they would be a part of. Cool. That That's good for a little bit of guidance there. Yeah. It does not have anything on the Artificer because this book came out before Eberron did. It won't have anything from the Tasha's classes because this came out too early, but it's going to have Xanathar's in the player's handbook. Yeah, it's not going to have Theros, but it'll have, yeah. yeah. And it's just a matter of, I mean, it's the publication order, right? Like you're you're trapped by that, but you can figure it out. Yeah, I, I was about to say, like, it, it's not going to be that hard to figure out exactly where a uh, Oath of Glory paladin is going to fit in here. Yeah, exactly. And so they do it for all of the main 12, like I said, not the Artificer. Um, and each one of them has just a little chart that uh, says the subclass on one side and then the guild on the other. Um, it actually has a little asterisk beside them, which says this appears in the Xanathar's Guide to Ever Everything. Oh, that's nice. So Thank it, you. Yeah. So uh, they really did their homework in this book. So I, I really like it. So They're, far, it seems really well put together. I am also a big fan of the art style in this book, too. But that's just a sidebar. Yeah. yeah. Magic the Gathering has far better artists than 5th edition does. 100%. I'm glad that they ported these artists over. They adapted some of the cards artwork, according to Dave, who looked some of this shit up ahead of time. Yeah. While we were discussing one of the other things, I looked up who this uh, Jace guy is. Yeah. And we straight up have his picture at the beginning of the book. Do we? Yeah. He's cool. the guy with like the blue hood that has all the lightning coming off of him. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there are two new subclasses. One is for the cleric and it's the order domain. I'm not going to get into it because we'll break this down in one of the cleric episodes, but the order domain is all about things like your channel divinity is orders demand. You get things called uh, divine strike 
Order's Wrath, Embodiment of the Law, and Voice of Authority. From what I've seen, the, the Order domain is very paladin, is very war paladin kind of look to it. Yes. On Ravnica, the domain is favored by clerics of the Azorius Senate. That makes sense. These are your law makers, right? Yep. They also are related to the Orzhov Syndicate, who was the evil church plus... Oh, Bank yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Middle Ages Catholic Church. Yeah. And then it gives you a bunch of, um, on other worlds, gods who grant access to this domain include. And oh, nice. Them, Thank you. Including Bane, Tyr, Weejas, uh, Maglubiat, Anubis, really? Athena, and Asmodeus. Maglubiat is weird. Ah, I like it, though. A I like goblin it. cleric. I like it. Order domain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then we get the Druid Circle of Spores. This is all about rot and decay as a part of the life cycle. Yeah, it's it's not like decay for the the sign of entropy. It's, it's not it's, evil. No, it's it, it's just this is what happens. This is the stage between life and death. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Or this is the stage after death. And the stuff that you get is, I mean, of course, you get new spells, but halo of spores, symbiotic entity, fungal infestation, spreading spores, and a fungal body. Cool. That is a lot of fun. Let's then take a look at this. The next chapter here, the guilds. Instead of us going through all of the details, if you guys like what we're saying, buy the book. It's fucking amazing. Yes. But uh, I mean, buy the book anyways. We're going to talk about what is offered generically that you can find for each one of these. So Dan is going to just kind of look at the breakdown of the Azoria Senate. Mm -hmm. and then tell you what are the subsections, what can you expect, what kind of information, and it will be the same for all of them as well. Yeah, We're not going to go through all 10 today. That will be a radically different episode when we are able to talk about this stuff intelligently. We've done our research instead of just getting a first impression. Yeah. Um, As you flip to chapter two, the art here, I actually like this because it feels a lot like the formless void of a character choosing his path. Oh, That's cool. what, kind of what it feels like here. It's, oh, it's yeah. this guy going through and choosing a bunch of different colored armor. And there's a different uh, like armor sets through here. You see the reflection of him in the mirror and there is no discernible face to him. So, or, or it, I guess. So this, this feels to me a lot like you're making a character, you're choosing your guild. Okay. So guild memberships, this entire chapter is the guilds of Ravnica. You get guild spells, special spells that are going to come with your... That's like the guild. houses with um, with Eberron as well. Yeah, to the point, it gives an example. The Boros Legion prefer using spells of fire and holy. Yeah, the, that makes sense. Right? Sacred Flame, I guess, has got to be one of their go-tos. Yeah, um, but it, by the looks of it, it, it gives you spells to add to your spells known as well, which is going to be great. Bonds and contacts are going to come through as a benefit of your guild membership as well. These are going to be points of contact for your character. That's going to be easy. It gives you that little list. And then brings in the mechanics of renown for your guild. How to gain it, how what benefits you get from it, and uh, the act of losing it. I like a renown mechanic. It's basically your fame or your notoriety or whatnot that you have. Um, this is specifically with your guild those playing World of Warcraft right now have renown that they have to deal with. So it's a big part of a World of Warcraft gamer's life. But It's also a big part of, they call it piety uh, when it comes yep. to Theros as well. Yep. So we're starting to see this as a built-in part of the motivating factor within these campaign settings. Another thing that we very rarely talk about on this podcast is Acquisitions Incorporated. 
which deals with getting promotions and moving yeah, you it's, know, it's upward business, in rank yeah. and whatnot as well. That is an underappreciated book, and I can't wait until we cover it in this series. Um, I have flipped through that more than once, and I fucking love it. I want to go over this Renown mechanic at a different time because there's a lot of really cool stuff here, including giving your players salaries for downtime and and the other benefits, depending on Renown levels that you could build as a player, gives you something to work towards as a character as well for yep. longer campaigns. Love it. There is a breakdown of the style of membership that you have with your guild, which will give you some inspiration on exactly how your character acts to his guild and receives orders from his guild. However, should you want to change guilds, there is a method here to actually change the guilds and how to do that, as well as repercussions and benefits of it. I really like that for long-term campaigns within Ravnica when you're homebrewing it. So now we're getting to that point where we see the guild breakdowns. I'm just going to go over this. A lot of the builds for the different guilds are kind of cookie cutter in what they provide and will provide different things. Just pick up the book to learn the specifics about what you get it, but I'm going to use the Azorius Senate here as kind of that explanation of what you'll be able to find in the other guilds. Yeah, cool. First, you get to see what the life in the Senate looks like um, or life in the guild, what it looks like, how it's run um, and important figures there. You're also going to learn the goals of the guild. Um, That looks like it's a big section too. Like, like you operating as an operative of the guild, it feels like a big part of being in this in this world, yeah, in this setting. So I'm glad they actually break this shit down. And if you take the background to be part of this, this is information you will want to know on a character level. Yes. Because a lot of your day-to-day decisions are going to be based off of what your guild interests are. Yeah. It gives you some very specific inspiration and guides for your guild characters and what kind of stuff to see in there, as well as motivations and character inspirations on how to move forward. If you are not already one of them, it gives you an idea of how to join the guild um, in the Azoria Senate. Sorry, I'm just looking across the table. It says suggested alignment, suggested race, and suggested class, too. Yes, yeah, it gives you really, really... That's fun. I'm glad that they do that. It also gives, like, you're drawn to the idea of a hard-bitten police officer trying to impose order in a chaotic world. Oh, that's one of the bullet points there. Yeah, it so gives you inspiration of the character you're building within this organization. And that is not the end of that sentence, right? Like, it's, it's that's the end of the bullet point. But when you are building your character, that is the starting point. Yeah, they very much say, you might be playing something like this. It gives you an idea of joining the Azorius Senate, including the different areas within the Senate, the different, like, factions within the guild. Cool. Right, whether you're law enforcement or bureaucracy. This sounds like it is as deep as you want it to go. Yeah, right. And then it gives you the background of Azorius Functionary, which is the background option for choosing this guild. Now, the background itself, you get your two skill proficiencies, you get your language options, and then you get your equipment options, and then you get the special background feature like all the other backgrounds we see this one you have a little bit more legal authority with what you say you have some clout in your day-to-day discussions okay i'm glad that we get a separate background for each guild yeah that I, I love that too. A really fun new interpretation on backgrounds. It, it is also what I will use as a homebrew DM um, as inspiration for building my own guilds. Yeah. I look at these guilds, see what these guild backgrounds give, and I could translate that fairly easily to my players. Yes. You also, if you are a spellcaster, get uh, special guild spells, which are added on top of everything. Only if you're a spellcaster? Prerequisite spellcasting or pact magic. So yes. Yeah, okay. Only a spellcaster gets these things. 
And these spells go up to fifth level, includes a can includes cantrips. So you get two cantrips with the Azorius Guild. Fifth level spells or fifth level spells. Okay. Well, fifth level spell. Still, I mean, that's what rangers and warlocks yeah. and paladins, paladins get, right? Yeah. And then it gives you suggested characteristics like any other background does with personality traits, ideals, bonds, flaws, and also gives you this idea of contacts, which we mentioned earlier. Contacts are another thing that you're given when it comes to the houses in Eberron. Eberron, Dan, is such a dense book with yeah. so oh, yeah. many ideas and so many details. I can only imagine that they were making both of these at the same time and really kind of fleshing them out together. They put in a lot of work on this because like, we're still not done. We've got the background, but we still have more Azorius oh, okay. skills yeah. right. too. There is specifically, how do I fit in is what it's listed here. And basically what it looks like is, how does your character fit into this weave of the Azorius Senate, right? Which, or into whatever guild you end up choosing. Which is an amazing thing to add because a lot of people will choose, oh, I'm a merchant. And then they never ever talk about what merchant guild they're part of yeah. or anything else. In in a book that's built around guilds, you need this, but we should all be thinking about this shit every time we're part of an organization in the game. If your entire table is part of the same guild, it also gives you an idea of what a party made completely of members of that guild will look like. Yes. Right? That's another section it gives you here. Good. Which is really, really useful. And then it gets straight up granular on rank and what and the benefits of renown, which cool. is the system we had earlier and how that applies to your guild. And there are different ranks and yeah. what they give you. Rank one is an official, rank two is an authority, rank three is a minister, judge, or senator, rank four is an arbiter. Cool. Right? Gives you four ranks. And then it's going to list the enemies and allies of your guild, including the your guild's view on the other guilds. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, to the point where it's like Let's take the Simic, for example. The Simic experiment with matters that disobey the laws of nature and the laws of Ravnica. We must not let them gain influence. Cool. And then at that point, we move on. And so all of the different guilds are like that. All right, so I want to give the ranks of um, them because, honestly, it's a good way to figure out the flavor. Yeah, but we'll start with the basic, which is, I guess, the background. Yeah, it seems like rank one is uh, technically rank two because your background is going to give you a little bit of that first step. Yeah, you're technically already a part of it. Yeah. So um, there's the Boros Legionnaire um, would be your base background. And then you get, it says Sergeant. Then you get Sky Knight, which are uh, when you ride rocks, R-O-C-S. I'm sorry, pardon? Yeah, you get to ride flying rocks in this one. I'm in. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, the Wojek as well, which uh, is like elite soldiers. The next rank is the Brigadier. And then they've got special kinds of guards. And then there's captains and commanders. A lot of paladins and fighters, I would say. Um, so House Demir looks like it is far more about being a spy and an operative. Um, and so the the background is called a Demir operative. Yep. And then your special, of course, you get spells, you get contacts and stuff. Your ranks are independent agent, a collector of secrets, inner circle, guildmaster's confidant. I have a feeling when it comes to the Demir... Your ranks won't be known to others, but if you are Boros, you are like, I am Legionnaire Oh, blank. you wear it on your chest. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The Golgari Swarm actually has a little section about the Dark Elves. The background is called the Golgari Agent. You're kind Not of agent like a spy, agent like a... Terrorist. Terrorist, yeah. Yeah. There's Medusas. So they have a new special kind of Medusa in this book as oh, well. Oh, cool, cool. Which are a little bit more potent and frightening. As and, they should be. Yep. They're kind of... 
This is the one that's run by the Elf Lich. Yeah. So um, the rest of the ranks, you get Agent, and then there are Advisors, High Chancellor, and then a Matka, which is a High Priest. Um, for the Gruul clans, uh, <laughs> this is going to be a little bit different. These guys, this is your Barbarians. Yeah. Right? A lot of Rangers and probably some Druids here as well. They actually give you a breakdown of eight different kinds of clan in them. Oh, cool. So you can choose which one that you're a part of. There's a little subsection here, a little sidebar called Itching for a Fight. Barbarian. Like barbarians need an excuse. Now, the background is the Gruul Anarch. So they are anarchists. <laughs> they are there to tear down the system. When you get to the artwork, it is vibrant, kinetic, um, melee, but a lot of bones and... Um, yeah, they've got. They seem to have like a lot of tusks and bones and and things hanging off of them. Yes. So their um, ranks are: you are a proven, a beast friend, a celebrated, or a chieftain. I would lean on this almost to make just about any barbarian tribe. Yeah, yeah. You'd asked earlier if it's all plug and play. If you you can pull out modular parts of this for other things, you totally can. You can, but you can, it needs to be yeah. changed, right? The next one is the Is It League. Um, and is it, you know, I do that every time as well. <laughs> the is it league? Yes, it is. <laughs> um, in the name of magical science is one of the sections in here. It gets into the different laboratories that are available or laboratories. for It, fairy. it feels weird that artificers were not brought in, in this book. I you think, say the words magical science, but you don't have artificers. I think that you spend so much time focusing on them in Eberron that, Traditionally speaking, they're from everyone. They should have given us an alchemist wizard in here. Yeah, okay. Right. But anyway, the background is an engineer. Of course it is. Of course it is. And your different ranks are a researcher, a scorch bringer, a supervisor, <laughs> um, another kind of researcher, a director, and an advisor. And you can tell from the artwork, these guys, a lot of Vettelkin, and they are harnessing the elements. Yeah. Um, the Orzhov Syndicate is going to be all sorts of super corrupt. Your background is the representative. Okay. Remember, these guys are lawful evil. These are going to be like your uh, government suits. Yes. Yeah. And they talk about how there are enforcers and priests and advocates. Yeah. I, I like the one picture. You know how I've been saying, you know, they're kind of like the medieval Catholic Church. Oh, yeah. There's a dude up. on the other page with straight up a rosary. Like they, they lean into that. Oh, absolutely. The architecture in the background is very cathedral-like as yeah, well yeah. and whatnot. Um, the ranks in here are a syndic, a knight, a ministrant, and a pontiff. Pontiff, yeah. The cult of Rakdos is probably the most famous thing out of this book, just because it is an evil carnival. Yeah. And people just really like that imagery. But this is very much a, a cult. Like The artwork is very jester and evil Harlequin, clown yeah. yeah so you are a your background is a rakdos cultist it does not mince words on this um it gives you different performance options as well for these guys uh, are, is it like music or is it i bathe in blood i breathe fire i spike wheel acrobat lampooning satirist pain artist pain yeah okay nightmare clown this is where you'll find pinhead no, 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 no. Pinhead, Pinhead is going to come from the... No, there's going to be like straight up sadists in this thing, right? Like, Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I need to pierce my skin to feel alive. Like, Yeah, those... I mix pleasure and pain. I want to yeah. hang from my back. Yeah. Terry. Terry. You're going to find Terry here. Um, you are also going to get uh, the different ranks as an extra. <laughs> a sideshow <laughs> act. Yeah. Terry, okay. A sideshow act, a blood witch, 
a star performer or the ringmaster. The Celestia Conclave, um, which was the one about the dryads that were mixed with Mother Nature. Yep, yep, yep. This has military roles and religious roles in it as well. So they are another kind of order. And it says here that alignment, usually good, often neutral, but still militant. They follow that traditional nature druid kind of feel. Yes. Um, you get real Roman legionnaire, but like in the name of nature off of the okay. artwork. Of, yeah, cool. Of these guys. Their ranks are the evangel, as in evangelist. Okay. The votary, the cigatar, celestia charm, the equinot, and the hierarch. Oh, shit. And there's more. There's a guardian and a dignitary as well. So there's a lot to work through here. Yeah, cool. Um, each one of these things has special roles listed. And we I've, sometimes I list them and sometimes I don't because some of the words are just nonsense. Yeah. But um, but these special roles are instead of getting this rank, if you do this kind of thing as well, yeah. you become this kind of special operative. You're a special operative, operative. yeah. 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 Um, and then the last one, of course, is the Simic Combine. And the Simic Combine is all about this experimentation, biomancy. Your background is the Simic Scientist. And then you... Your ranks are your technician, your researcher, your luminary, your project leader, your clade leader, and your speaker. Okay. So that's a lot of fun. We're getting a lot of really specific and a lot of really unique ways of looking at magic and government and guild and faction. Ways that we don't normally see it in the Dungeons and Dragons stock standard uh, perspective. So I'm really, really fucking enjoying this book. So now we're going to move on to chapter three, which is all about this geographical location within Ravnica. Now, of course, Ravnica is a city the size of a world. The 10th district is a country I'm not... and the precincts within this district. No, I no, I think you're too big. I think that it's the size of a country, but like United States, China. Yeah, country. yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a world, it's a realm. Yeah. Right. And so these cities, these, these massive districts are going to be like your state and then the precincts are going to be the cities within the... Well, it does say the district is sprawling and to be governed effectively, it's split up into these six precincts, which each is the size of a small city in and of itself, right? Honestly, I think about... Sorry, I think about New York, DC, LA, um, London, where you have this gigantic sprawling urban... uh, Well, urban sprawl, right? Um, Vancouver, where we live, is very much the similar thing where there's... There's Vancouver proper, but there's the greater regional Vancouver, right? Yeah. Um, and as you spread out, you get very different feelings in different cities, but you're Richmond's in the same Richmond's different place. from Coquitlam, different from New Westminster. Yeah. Yeah. But we all say when we're talking to someone from out, out of town, we're from Vancouver. Exactly. So yeah. you would say, I'm from the 10th district, but when you're talking to the locals, I'm from this precinct. Yeah. So the precincts all have different flavors. Uh, precinct one is the hub of the wealthy and the powerful. Precinct two are the wealthy neighborhoods that are just uh, set below that. Precinct three is the nature precinct. Precinct four is like the the battlegrounds, the so like a st- gladiatorial yeah. area. Uh, precinct five is where the schools and all the learned folks are. And precinct uh, six, precinct six, that is hard to say. Is where all your blue collar working folk are going to be. Do each one of these districts have everything that you need? I would say yes. Or is the 10th district where we are the best melting pot for you to run a campaign in? I would say the 10th, uh, if we're talking districts, 
The districts has got that melting pot. It is the, you could spend the entire campaign in the 10th district full stop. The precincts have their own entire culture, their own governance, their own everything. It's like different neighborhoods. Different neighborhoods that have, are, are fully isolated and have what they have. They just have different cultures and different feels to them. There are several rumors and people that you get as well as the two main roads within the 10th district, which are going to be Tin, Tin Street and the Trans Guild Promenade. Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, it gives you some idea of what is beneath the uh, streets. And as you flip the page, you get a beautiful city map, which gives you some points of interest here. It's going to keep going through what to find the sewers, the pipe tunnels, the transit tunnels, the crypts. Into what is the Undercity, where you have the Night Vale, the Dusk Mantle, the Corozda, the Rixmati, and the Undersea. And that is just under the entire district. All of this exists. So the Undercity seems to be kind of like, if you want an Underdark campaign, here's how you have it. And it is like the ancient city that the new city is built on top of. Okay, cool. Okay? Um, and then you get into the precincts. And um, much like the guilds, the precincts are going to have different rumors, different guilds that are affiliated with them, um, but they're all going to be built in the book roughly the same. Okay. Okay. So the the flavor will change, but the heading will be mostly the same. So we'll cover precinct one and then precinct two through six will be much the same. Sure. So with precinct one, we see the affiliated guilds and it says all guilds have interests here. But there are specific ones that have more interest than others. Then it will go over some neighborhoods and landmarks, which will be interesting places to draw your players' attention to, including the Chamber of the Guild Pact resides here. And then it gives you an idea of what to find for goods and services. This will give you an idea of which precinct do you need to go to to get this specialty item. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Including... If you want a rough and tumble bar, you're not going to go to Precinct 1. You're going to go to Precinct 5. It's going to be stuff like that. It also gives you an idea of how law and crime are handled in this area. Um, Namely, what are the specific laws and how are they enforced and by whom are they enforced? Okay. This also gives you an idea of what a general group of wandering soldiers or townsguard are going to be in this area. As well as what is their average response time to a crime? So if something happens, your DM can roll a D6 and know that in this many minutes, this group composition of a law mage and three soldiers will come join. That's helpful. I, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that they've got that in there. And a breakdown of a city square wouldn't be complete without the people and rumors within that city square where you can have random encounters here. So you have a D12 list for random people you could come across on the streets as well as a D6 chart for rumors, which are told in the voice of the person saying the rumor. Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm going to stop you right now. Just I got a little bit extra information on the 10th district. Okay. The original city of Ravnica was made up of 10 districts named in simple numerical order with no correlation between the 10 guilds and the 10 districts. All are active in every district, each one of the guilds. Yes. The 10th district in particular is a hotbed of activity where all the guilds maintain their primary headquarters. Oh, okay. So that's why the 10th district is so important. It jumps us into, you know, what the basic breakdown of Princeton 2, the affiliated guilds in here, uh, neighborhoods and landmarks. Goods and services, law and crime, it's, it's the same. But the artwork 
For each one of these is giving us kind of an idea of what to expect. For example, Precinct 2 looks like it's the Azoria Senate, maybe the Orzhov Syndicate because it's very cathedral. It's it's yeah. It looks like monuments almost. Everything seems to be made of towers and marble and statues. Whereas Precinct 3 looks like nature has overrun it. So you're going to get things like um, the Golgari Swarm or the Gruul yeah. Anarchists kind of running through this area. Or maybe the uh, Celestia Druids and whatnot. Precinct 4... That looks like it's super, um, almost magical, uh, magic yeah. tech. The Is It League is going to be here. There's there's pink lightning, you know, holding aloft parts of a tower and shit, which is going to be a lot of fun. It gives you different neighborhoods, like you said, Dan. Yep. In here, you get things like the Red Wastes. Cool. Um, and, oh, man, I love the goblin artwork in here. It's stereotypical goblin. Green, big nose, big ears always snarling but i like this because it feels very unique for yeah exactly for ravnica um precinct number five looks very um it actually the artwork here reminds me of um episode one. Oh, it's, uh, it's naboo, naboo. Yeah. yeah oh yeah i mean you got the flowing waterfalls in the city square it's yeah. a capital with the green domes it's the capital city of thede is, mm-hmm. is what we're looking at here and a lot of like tall tall towers with that a bunch reminds of bridges. me of sharn yeah, there's a lot of Sharn feeling to it as well. And then Precinct 6 feels almost... Gothic. Evil. Gothic and evil. And so there's a lot of really fun bits and pieces of these details in here. If it's, you are building a Metropolis-level city for your campaigns, you could pull a lot of this information. And yeah, and frankly, I might do this instead of Sharn because Sharn is so deep out of Eberron. Yeah. There are... Like, that chapter is utterly fucking massive yeah and it is so well detailed and it's so built into eberron whereas this really does feel as much as it's related to guilds you can change the name of the guilds change what the guilds want and you can almost pull precinct um or the 10th district and just have that be a metropolis yeah exactly so we're moving on to chapter four which is specifically creating adventures within ravnica um and more specifically with guilds in mind. Um, there's a, I mean, we could see now that there's a heavy, 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 heavy focus on the guilds. Sorry, before we go too much further, I'm still looking at my, like, my Google yeah, sure, box. Sure. So there are the 10 districts. There are also other parts, the Mausoleum District, the Lake District, the Utvara Reclamation Zone, um, the Agarim, uh, which looks like it's the ghost area. There's okay. a big schism. Um, the undersea, the polar regions. <laughs> so there's more than just the 10 districts. There's still kind of like the outskirts, the unexplored portions that are adjacent or within the city that people are, don't go to. Yeah, that this is where you're going to get your exploration, your dungeons in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, cool. Um, well, if you want to make use of those dungeons, you could do that by creating adventures here and your guild will likely send you out on different adventures. Um, and this is how it bases you out of that um it gives you ideas of how to get your party going from whatever guild house you have um as well as the links between these two locations that you could do it also gives you an idea of guild villains specifically who is your antagonist this this the big bad evil guy you'd have I can understand how if you're doing guild type adventures, your big bad evil guy could just be that guild, that corporate, like it's kind of disembodied. This gives you a focus. Specific person. Yeah. And gives you an idea of how to build them. 
Um, it also gives gets even more granular with giving your character within that guild motivations and objectives mm-hmm. for guild-focused adventures. And then gives you an idea, uh, moving on, as well as to how to choose a guild with established characters yeah. rather than before the characters are, are made. Um, as well as if you have a different type of guild, it's going a little bit more generic here, focusing pulling away from these named guilds and giving you an idea of running your own guild stuff. If you just um, wanted to be a merchant guild operating yeah. in Ravnica. Or well, whatever. has things like dungeon delve guilds or wilderness guilds or intrigue guilds or mystery guilds. So right? not one of the 10 governing bodies that were part of the guild pact. Uh, yes and no. Um, it kind of gives you, this is a dungeon delve is the type of missionary adventure you're going to have. Here are the guilds that, that they've provided that would be interested okay. in giving you that, right? So this chapter is very similar to the chapter that's in Theros and the one that's in Eberron. And it seems like, uh, I don't know if there's one in Wildmount, but I, but I suspect. Probably not. No, I suspect there is because I think they're doing this for each one of the campaign settings. Okay. Where they say how to run adventures. Here's the book. Here's all our details. How now, to run. what the fuck you do with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this book this is. This is going to be your practical application. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you also have a uh, section on involving characters. This is going to be for your DMs. Be like, hey, Yay. here's how you pull this guy over. It, it says here cross purposes, which start, which is a D10 chart that starts the villain's activities roll on the D10. So it's like the villain's activities threaten a character's contact or bond. Or this is useful shit that should have been in a fucking dungeon master's guide. Yeah, this right? is generic. I like that it's here. It's really helpful. But this would help everybody instead of just table after table of magic items. This is all, this section seems to be all for DMs building a campaign with guilds. Yeah. Right? Um, Because it goes on here with complications as well. So you have what this villain is doing. Yeah. And then you have your guild mission that your adventure, that you're sending the adventure party on. And then further complications which is another d8 thing which is like a rival pursues the same goal as the adventurers they're giving you fleshed out Mm -hmm. um plot hooks which is a lot of fun and also giving you intrigue within the guild like they're 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 giving you a lot of uh a lot of groundwork a lot of skeletal building system to to build your campaign and make it feel alive and then they seem to do it um, almost like what guild by guild. They will start to go through it. And, yeah, and they go through it guild by guild and be very specific as well as um, give you an idea of what that guild's headquarters look like. I'm a big fan of this. They go out of their way early in the book to show you, the player, how to operate as, say, a Boros Legionnaire. Yeah. All right? And so you've built your Boros Legionnaire. You've decided that your party, at least in part, is going to be allied with the boros legion and then they say all right here's all the information about the boros legion and now they're giving the dms the tools with how to use this information to build the campaign up to and including a battle map like a five by five uh, sorry a five foot squared out grid battle map of a uh the one i'm looking at right now the azorius arrestor headquarters cool so this is this is straight up like a law office that's amazing. And yeah. do they have one of these for each one of the... I Yeah, they got one of these for everything, including if you are a character within this guild as well, more goals, more assignments, more adventure hooks. Good. You're going to find all that here. If you choose a guild, you get, they're giving you lots of information here. Cool. So uh, for the Boros Legion, you get a Legion Garrison, which is really cool. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of the different 
hooks and and yeah, you get you assignments. You, you get a shit. headquarters, hooks, and assignments and villains and villains. Yeah, yeah. And so I mean, and how they apply to your guild. Yeah, a lot of fun. We've got a, a freaking safe house for the operatives for the Demir for House <laughs> cool. Demir. Yeah, um, we've got the Undercity Mansion for the Golgari Swarm. Oh, that's weird. Well, that's the um, that's the Elf Lich. That's the, the oh evil, yeah yeah uh, the Medusas. Of, and yeah, whatnot. okay. And Medusas are not the like hissing in an underground cave anymore. They're like a people. Yeah, there's the Gruel clans. They give us some apples to a big open um, the rubble belt encampment. It just gives just gives you a section of destroyed city. Uh, yeah, but and like parts of the city that have been destroyed, but then where the tents are, there's a big bonfire, there's a trash pit in the corner, like yeah. kind of what you can expect. Of course, you're going to get an experimental workshop for the Izet. Of course, League. you are. Um, and when it comes to the Orzhov Syndicate, you get the Grand Basilica. Basilica, which um, again. Very medieval Catholic churchy. It sounds like a church word and why I didn't know how to pronounce Basilica it. Basilica is a church word. Yeah. Like just straight up is. Um, the cult of Rakdos gets you a notorious nightclub. <laughs> notorious. Including hanging cages, suspended cages, um, private booths, some baths, a dressing room and a main stage. Like there's a lot of fun shit in here. Celestia Conclave... Uh, is actually going to get the Vernadi Center. Okay. Uh, which looks like it's um, kind of a giant circular temple area with trees growing in the middle of it. A lot of prayer rooms. Uh, and then the Simic Combine gets a growth chamber, so it's almost like a laboratory as well, where they're going to grow certain uh, different aspects. I like that every time that you see um, something as far as the Simic hybrids go, they're all covered in like gills and fins. Mm-hmm. It's not just an appendage. They're like growing you right out. Well, they, they they see that evolution is cool and they hasten it. So evolution is not just going to give you claw hands. It's going to affect you full body. Yeah. Next is Cranko's Way. Cranko's Way is the mini adventure. It's a handful of pages. It is, what, 10, 11 pages of a uh, tiny adventure using the tools that were okay. listed earlier. They've got the, They've got one of these in Eberron. They got one of these in Wild Mountain. They've got one of these in Theros. So here is an example mini adventure. If you want to play in this world, get some flavor, see if you like it. Here you go. And then we come to treasures. So this is going to give you, um, as we move on to the treasures section, give you a further idea of how treasure works in Ravnica, specifically how our treasure we find in like the DMG or the Player's Handbook will translate into Ravnica. Um, that's useful that's incredibly useful it gives you an idea of exactly what copper pieces are silver coins what they are and what they're worth yep because they're different here so like each guild has its own different vintage of coin oh cool yeah you also get guild charms which is a, a mundane item with a magical small effect on it Okay. So you're going to get this from your contacts, maybe? From your contacts or from your guild. Um, as an example, the Azorius one. Um, when you activate it, you could cast Hold Person at third level, Command or Counterspell, and it vanishes after you activate it. So it is a... Uh, it's like a scroll, just as a... But it, but it's a physical object. You physical object, yeah. Hold up and you say the word and off it goes. Yeah, yeah. cool. And they seem all single use. I like it. Yeah. Um, and then we get into some normal magical items. Now, 
I like it because each one of these um, breaks down what the magical items are that are uh, available for each one of the guilds. So while it is going to give us a list of magic items in a minute, first what it does is it says the guilds of magic items. And it lists whether or not the magic item is in this book or in the Dungeon Master's Guide. For example, a rare item for the Boros Legion is the Sunblade. You'll recognize Ooh. this from Curse of Strahd. Yeah. It's available in the DMG. That's just one thing. You can get the um, you can get a staff of swarming insects for the Golgari. That tracks. Of course it does. But again, in the DMG. While they do have specific items here, it goes um, one by one through the guilds about what, what these items are, where you can find them to look up what they can do, but also kind of a general idea. There's a paragraph for each one of them about why these items specifically resonate with this guild. Yeah. So you can't just give out... I mean, you, you look, do whatever the fuck you want, but you're not just going to give out a wand to fly to every single fucker in every single guild. Yeah. Right? You just, you just aren't. It's going to be a little bit different. So then it gets into the actual items themselves. To go over it, I mean, we they've got key runes, which are uh, different keys that uh, each guild gives you unique that have a different feature to them. Um, this will, of course, translate to all of your other guilds as well. You, they have magical guild signets, which uh, is a signet ring that has three charges that rechar- uh, uh, regens. I love this idea of a three charge regening thing. It's not quite a wand. It's just like a ring with charges on it. Um, you get to feel like Green Lantern. Yeah, kind of, right? Um, you And then they go through a bunch of other little things, but what we'll, what we'll talk about specifically, just an example of this section, is Mizium and the Mizium apparatus and the stuff that can be made from Mizium. Mizium is a new type of metal. It's a magic-infused alloy um, that the Izet League uses to do their uh, crafting. Um, and when they do that, it tends to enable a bunch of cool little magical ideas and, and stuff to whatever this armor is. So you have... It's not just armor, though. It's not it? just armor. It's apparatuses. So you could have... Uh, a, apparati? Apparati. Uh, you could have a item that gives you spell, uh, spell slots. This is a really cool option if you want to do shit and you don't have an artificer in your party. Yeah. Uh, so an apparatus functions as an arcane focus. In addition... Uh, you can attempt to cast a spell that you do not know or have that is stored on the apparatus. So remember you said before, Dan, that it looked like it was technomancy? It isn't. These are just magical, I guess, things that you can wear or you hold or are attached to you somehow, which are storing magic, but they're like sparking with the magic as well. And then you can shoot the magic out of it and uh, and cast spells you otherwise wouldn't necessarily have access to. I like this because it makes magic... And spells feel a little bit more dangerous. Yep. Like they're a thing to be harnessed besides just elements, right? There's two other Mizium opportunities here I do want to go over. And I'll do the mortar first. The Mizium mortar is just basically a a shotgun tube is basically what it is. um, That has four charges for the following properties that recharge daily at dawn. It creates a dexterity save or take a bunch of fire fire damage by the looks of it. Or you expend all three charges to create a gigantic fireball. Cool. Okay. So that's... Fire, fire gun. Fire yeah. gun. It, it's basically a, a traveling mortar. But the one that I like is the Mizium armor, which is while you're wearing it, any crit against you becomes a normal hit. 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's a right? lot of fun. In addition, when you're subjected to any magical effect that allows you to make a strength or con save, you get basically evasion for strength or con saves. Cool. Yeah. So this is the kind of stuff you could see from the museum here. Then you get a bunch of further items um, that are really, really cool, have a bunch of little flavor. A lot of it is focused on, not surprisingly, the guilds. Next, we move to some friends or foes. Friends or foes. I love the, the picture that they have of the giant crocodile with crab arms fighting a giant tree covered in balconies that are fighting above a city, Godzilla style. Freaking, freaking kaiju level. I see... You don't get this in regular D and D. It's a don't. lot of fun shit going on. The in biggest, Rathica. the closest thing you have to a kaiju in normal D and D is the Tarask. Yeah, the the like Elder Tempest Leviathan yeah. level of of gargantuan elementals, and I guess the the Warforge Colossus. Yeah, I mean, but they, they took colossal size away. I know, I know. I don't like it either. They really need to bring it back, especially because some of the minis. Are starting to get that big. So um, the next section is called Friends or Foes. This is the section that I'm most familiar with because as a DM, I went leaning on this shit to surprise you, mm-hmm. specifically, Dan, in our campaigns. So okay. um, there's a lot of stuff that I grabbed. I was picking up minis at the time going, ooh, cool, what's this? Because I knew that you hadn't seen the Ravnica shit. Oh, yeah. I remember the first time you put like a Simic hybrid on the table. I'm like, what the shit is this? Exactly. So what's really cool here is that Again, depending on which creatures um, that are in each guild, it gives you a table at the beginning of the chapter that tells you what kind of creatures are associated with the guild and whether or not you find it in the Monster Manual or Ravnica. Oh, that's awesome. So you don't need any other books to run this. This has told us repeatedly that you need the Player's Handbook, Xanathar's Guide to Everything, the DMG, and the Monster Manual. Hard stop. You don't need Volos. You don't need Mordenkainen. You don't even really need Xanathar. Oh, for this book, you need Xanathar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This makes it so that it's a relatively early buy if you want to get into it. Yeah. And and will actually impact your game no matter what. Yeah. And each one of these um, tables, by the way, is not short. They each have 20 options or so on them. uh, And they list all the monsters by CR level as well. And when they're associated with each different one of the... They've gone into a lot of uh, like this cross guild conflict that happens. So if you are Azorius and you are fighting a, uh, Radkos cult, right? This Rakdos. Rakdos cult. This is going to give you an idea of what kind of monsters you could find when you're fighting that guild. Yeah. And you may have, cause you're from Azorius, for example, you would have Griffins and precognitive mages and a Sphinx of judgment on your side, but you may also be fighting from the Rakdos creatures, uh, Megman, a cult fanatic, an ogre, a hellhound. Um, oh man, they shit. They got a lot. Rakdos himself. Yeah, Rakdos himself is is one of the things. Uh, I think that for the most part, all of the named like leaders are listed on these tables as well. Oh, cool. Um, and then we get into the actual uh, bestiary itself. There is a small section where there's guildless creatures, and they include undercity denizens. The Undead, what's called the Guildless, which are NPCs from the Monster Manual and other sources that can just be the ordinary folk. Yeah. Um, Then there's Ordinary Animals, specifically Drakes. Okay. Which are... No front legs. No front legs, and they're about the size of a human. They're not as big as a wyvern. Oh, okay. Drakes in D&D 5th edition are are like medium-sized creatures. Yeah, okay. Um, I like that. Yeah, but these ones are different than the Guard Drakes or the Ambush Drakes that we've seen 
already in the edition, these guys fly. Those ones are like lizard They're dogs. like dogs, yeah. Um, and then there's also pack beasts, including things like the brush strider, um, the ceratoc. Sure. Yeah, there's just a bunch of new fucking nonsense names. But you use the different monster manual stat blocks for like elk or rhinoceros or mammoth or whatnot oh, okay. for these. So, so name it this, but use this. Yeah, and it gives you a brief descri- description of what it is. And then just really quickly before I hand it over to Dan, the uh, bestiary does stat blocks by creature type. We get three new aberrations. We get six new celestials, two new constructs, one dragon, which is niv four elementals, and each one of them is a mixture of two different kinds of elements. Cool. Uh, two new kinds of fey, four different kinds of fiends, six new giants. Some of them are cyclopses. Cy- cyclopses. Yeah. And then a, a fuck ton, ton of yeah. humanoids. <laughs> I was like, is he going to count these ones on the spot too? No. <laughs> Um, there are also nine different kinds of monstrosities, but three of them are the different kinds of crisis, which is, um, evolutionary, um, like upgrading, almost like Pokemon, boom, boom, boom. like oh, they, they okay. will get more powerful as they go. So it's not, you don't want to fight them at full power. They're fucking scary. Okay. Um, and then a shit ton. There's like eight different, uh, new kinds of undead as well, including unique kinds of vampires. Oh, wow. Because, you know, this game doesn't have enough vampires. So, yeah, let's do a just a quick flip. Every time that we get super interested, we will stop and give a quick breakdown of, of the monster, and then we'll pass the book over. Yeah. Um, so we have some new angels. Now these, of course, are going to be flavored heavily towards the Boros Guild. Um, as not well. necessarily. Not necessarily, actually. Wow, okay. So we have Boros angels, which are your traditional, like guardian battle angels feathery white wings but you also have orzhov which are like the, and that's the evil church dark evil like black feathered wings to them um you have the archon of the triumvirate which is a it's a new archon we get we have gotten so few archons mm-hmm. which are your lawful neutral angels kind of things right so this is a this is a cr14 Angel, which angel, is, yeah. I mean, all the Celestials, all the Angels have been high, but it, it's good. Are the other ones that high, though? The um, new ones? The other Angels, uh, CR5, CR12, CR14. The CR5 is nice. That's the lowest level of Angel that we've That we seen. have, yeah. Um, and we have said that the focus on Celestial combat is lacking in D&D 5e. So giving a couple more options there helps. Yeah. Um, we have a uh, new elemental, which is the Arc Light Phoenix, which is that purple lightning, pink lightning. Yeah. So Arc Light. Pretty cool. CR12. And then we got a Conclave Dryad. So these guys are going to be part of the Celestia. Yeah. This is uh, one of your new Fae. Uh, and it looks really cool. They could summon mounts, which is like a weird vine elk thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, next section is demons, so I'm just going to hand this over to Adam. All right. Now, I'm excited about the demons. We're going to try to go through this pretty quickly because we're not going to have a breakdown of every one of these monsters. There's a lot of them in this book. Yeah. Um, but it's really going to flesh out your opportunities as a DM to whip these little fuckers out. There's also some cool opportunities if you want a, a sidekick or a... You um, want to go into Tasha's and get that NPC, you could use one of these things. Yeah. For example, there's the Cackler, which is a new kind of demon. He looks like a tiny, or he's a small, rather, little chaotic evil gremlin with big fucking minotaur horns. Cool. Off the side of his head. And he gets Last Laugh and Mimicry. 
He also gets a spiked chain. You get Master of Cruelties and the Sire of Insanity. These are parts of the Rakdos cult. Okay. So the Master of Cruelties. Uh, what are their CRs? Um, well, the Cackler was one half. The Master of Cruelties is CR 9 and the Sire of Insanity is CR 12. The Master of Cruelties is a large-sized demon who feeds on the crowd. He has an aura of bloodlust. I'm just already familiar with him, so I'm going to hit him quickly. Okay. Um, which means that the people watching the performance have to make a save or fall into a bloodlust, and they start blood orgies around where they are killing and murdering while laughing and feeling exalted while they do it. And he has this aura around him, and it is not little. It's a 30-foot aura. Wow. And it's a DC 17 wisdom save. And he's a CR 9? Yep. And then, whenever a creature within 60 feet of the master dies, he regains, or he gains 15 temporary hit points and has advantage on all attack rolls. Don't fight this guy in a crowd. Nope. But he also has captivating presence as well. Each creature within 120 feet has to succeed on a DC 17 wisdom save or be charmed for an hour. He is more powerful than CR 9. What level? Master of Cruelties. What level 7, 8... Nine character is making a DC 17 wisdom save. I know, makes it scary, right? Sire of Insanity has the aura of mind erosion. He literally, like, sends you off to be fucking crazy. Uh, he's a huge fiend. He's And he looks like one of the cave trolls, almost, with giant horns. Okay. Um, the cave trolls from uh, Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings. Yeah. Um, and then we start to get into things like um, the, the evil lich, the elf lich. Uh, we have new kinds of um, celestial as well. A felidar is a new kind of almost like lion with horns celestial. Cool. Um, uh, I want one of those as a mount. That thing looks badass. Uh, I don't think that you would get one because uh, their intelligence is 10. So they're a thinking, speaking creature. Yes, but I mean, as a plot thing, like it's like goblins mounting wargs. They think and speak. Sure. Yeah, okay. You have giants. Lots of new different kinds of giants, including the Blood Fray Giant. Cool. Um, and the Guardian Giant. And these guys are huge. Um, you also get the Orzhov Giant, which is large-sized. I think that he's technically a Cyclops. But okay. you can't tell underneath his... I mean, his, his, his helmet, helmet has one yeah. single like viewport in the middle. Yeah. And then uh, the a what's called a Sunder Shaman, which is a... Uh, shaman. There damn, you go. Calm down. Um, which is another huge-sized creature. All these guys, we've got CR6 for the one that was large... And then the rest of them range from 6 to 10 as well. Okay. Cool. And then we get into the, some of the weird fucking aberrations. And Dan, this is all you, my friend. Oh, yeah. Horrors. Uh, you just want me to say that word over and over. So you have a CR3 flying horror, which looks like a bat had sex with a lobster, I guess. I would have said scorpion. Or scorpion. This thing is terrifying. Moving on. It's got this weird... Frightening screech. Yeah. and it, No, but did you see at the bottom there, Dan? You get insanities. Oh. Yeah, you get madnesses. Yep. I'm on board with all of this. Um, it even gives you rules in this stat block. Weird that it's here to customizing a horror. It's because... Which is taking one of these monsters and making your own up. Yeah, because all of the horrors are technically unique in Ravnica. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So uh, we have our shadow horror... Which is a large neutral evil aberration. You have her, he basically looks like a um, evil ghost guy. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, no worries. Um, you have her skittering horror. Looks straight out of uh, Starship Troopers. 
And then we're moving on to some in uh, some undead with a indentured spirit, which I mean, it looks like Scrooge's buddy, just a ghost covered in chains. And then we have weirds, which Adam weirds are one of my favorite things because this is actually where you start to merge the elements. They're not elemental golems, but if you think about it like they are, they have been crafted and been put together well by the is it least some of this kind of seems like a a one of those unhappy cir- uh, circumstances that comes up like these guys are taking the elements they're mixing them together to create something cool and then oops we just created this thing accidentally like some of these things kind of look like the waste of a magical experiment they are very much experiments gone wrong yeah that are uncontrollable and are out there in the world you get a blister coil uh which uh is fire and water a flux charger which seems to be just pure lightning, but it's been harnessed. It has what looks like skeletal angel wings as well. Okay. And it looks like it's um, it's harnessed within a metal contraption. There, oh, remember there was the apparatus? Yeah. They have made one roughly in the shape of a human skeleton, and it just has lightning in and around it. Then they have the galvanized weird. Kind of looks like ice and, and lightning. lightning. It's ice and lightning. And then that puts us into the crisis. I talked a little bit about it before. The Krasis are these weird Simic Combine creatures that the Biomancers have, have created. They've got Category 1, Category 2, and Category 3. There are different adaptations you can give them. There's very specific artwork given. Like, one of them looks like a giant crocodile with, like, almost humanoid-ish legs, but a big bullfrog, like, cool. yeah. pouch underneath its jaw. That is just one of the many different kinds. You roll in a D8 table... To find out if it has flight or bioluminescent marking or a hypnotic display or a venomous sting. And then there's a D8 on the minor adaptations as well. But the big difference is they go from medium to large to huge. Cool. So they do get bigger and they do get scarier. Next are going to be the crawl. The crawl are a group of the... K-R-A-U-L. Yeah, they're a group within the Golgari Swarm. They're another one of those insectoid races that we see. We get a lot of them. How intelligent are they? Are these actually a race? Uh, Ten. So yeah. Yeah. Um, So you get crawl warriors um, and crawl death priests as an idea here. And the crawl death piece is one of the coolest pieces of art I've seen in a long time. It, a gigantic undead insectoid lich is the thing you get from this. Um, and it's a CR4. So it looks really cool and you can throw it at a tier one party. Yeah. I, that, I'm on board with that. That's really neat. You also uh, get things like the Night Vale Spectre, which uh, rides on a gloam wing. Dan, you guys fought. One of these things in yeah. your campaign. Pain in the ass. Yeah, the gloam wing is a big undead looking giant Bats. bat. Yeah. Um, and the and the Night Vale Spectre is an undead rider of it. Um, then you start to get into things like the Nivix Cyclops and the and I've seen this art in a card. This is one of the ones where I've seen the card. Yeah, this is so this is one of the uh Cyclopes that serve the Is It League um as kind of protectors and heavy laborers and whatnot. Cyclopie? Then you get a whole bunch of different breakdowns for the different kinds of uh, Simic hybrids, including spies and shockers. You get a breakdown for the specific Skyjet rock. Yes. It's large. It's not the gargantuan. It's it's, it's there for um, being a mound. Yep. We covered the Sky Swimmer, one of the monstrosity yes, episodes. There are thralls, including servitors and winged thralls. What are thralls? Thralls are um, for the Orzhov Syndicate. When they rip the soul from its body to create a spirit... The cast-off remains go to the flesh mages who use their necromantic magic to liquefy the corpse 
and transform it into something useful. They're constructs. Uh, that, that, that is metal as shit. Isn't that fucking awesome? Yeah. Next, we have the Undercity Medusa. They're often called Gorgons, it says. And I think these have that traditional Greek uh, Medusa level threat to them. So so in regular D&D, as we've said before on the podcast, regular D&D Gorgons are these metal bulls that uh, that breathe a paralyzing or a petrifying breath yeah. attack. Whereas Medusas are your typical snake-haired But Greek the layers. traditional Medusa, the, this turning into stone, takes forever and it's easy to avoid. Yeah, right, but in Greek myth, a Gorgon is the race that Medusa is from. She yes. Is, Medusa's a person, not a, not a kind of creature, right? Yeah. So in Magic the Gathering, every time that you have a Medusa, it is a Gorgon. Mm. There are also... Um, in Theros, the same kind of thing. So you're going to get new kinds of Medusas. They reference them as being Gorgons and the flavor script. Don't get them confused with the, the metal bull. Yeah. Uh, so the Medusa in Ravnica has snake tails for hair, not snake heads. Yeah. Which is really cool. Um, and their gaze for DC 14, uh, if you fail it by five or more, you're instantly petrified. Instantly. instantly. Yep. So What's the CR rating? Um, their CR 6. So uh, these are going to be a threat early. And then you get a bunch of new vampires. Uh, like, I think there's only a couple, but... Yeah, uh, you get the Blood Drinker Vampire, which is... A uh, weaker vampire? It is a weaker vampire. Well, I mean, it is a weaker vampire lord. It is still a CR8. Yeah, but vampires by stat of vampire is CR15. Okay. Um, this makes it so that you can fight vampires earlier. Yep, that's true. Um, and then you have a mind drinker vampire. Which which just reminds me of uh, what's-his-face from What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, yeah. The 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 Baron? No, no, no. No, no, no. The energy vampire. Oh, yeah. They siphon your mind. Then you have a worm. Not yes, O-R, I do. A U-R-M. U-R-M. You have... It is a huge monstrosity um, that digs through the ground and... Um, it's like a purple worm, but it's got armor. Yeah. Um, and it, it's let, uh, less of a CR as well. It's less of a threat than a purple worm. It's only CR 14. How big is it? Huge. Okay. It's smaller than a purple worm. So, okay. And then that brings us over to the NPCs, which are not your standard tiny little NPCs that you normally no. get. This is where you're going to find your named creatures that they've given us as well. Yeah. you you do get a soldier stat block, but you also get Isperia, who is that sphinx that runs the Azorius Senate. Yeah. Right. And I mean, we're talking CR 21. These are going to be nideific level. Yeah. Now you're going to get law mages and precognitive mages as well. And these are for the Azorius Legion. When you go through this section of the NPCs, it's broken down by guild. Cool. So that when you're flipping through it and they say, oh yeah, you can throw these kind of people at them. Or it'll be, if you have this rank, there are other people like this at this rank. It's, it's, this so, is the it's, section. Yeah, it's when you are running a campaign and they come across a bunch of Boros you know where to go. Yeah, and so they've got your basics. For example, the Boros is frontline medics, reckoners, firefists, but you also get Aurelia, who is the leader. CR twenty three angel. Yeah, and you're Badass. gonna run, you're gonna run into this. Um, the leader for the um, spies is a CR seventeen Lazav. You're gonna have um, Jared Vodzavo, who is the Golgari NPC, who's the um, oh he's the lich. Yeah, he's sorry. Yes, he's the lich. CR twenty two. CR twenty two lich. Yep. You're getting up to a Sarak levels with that one. So you're going to get this. There's a leader for every single one of them. Niv-Mazet is a gargantuan dragon. He does not fit 
the regular color scheme for D&D dragons. Okay. But then again, there are no regular dragons in this setting. He's the only one. There are mentions of drakes, but... And I think there are mentions of other dragons in passing, but it doesn't get into the colored dragons. Look, in Magic the Gathering, dragons exist. But there are a million different kinds of dragons, and that's it. What what do we have for a breath weapon for Niv? Uh, His breath weapon is fire breath. Okay. 26d6. Uh, what? Yeah, he's a CR 26. His legendary actions are nuts. and That's one of the highest CRs we have in the game right now. Yeah. Um, And one of his legendary actions is Draco Genius. He regains a spell slot of third level or lower. And he is a full, full caster. He he gets um, the same number of spell slots as a 20th level warlock does. So he's got all of these, all the shit up to fifth level and then sixth, seventh, eighth, He's more powerful than every demon prince we've seen. Yeah. Yeah, he's just don't don't fuck around here. He's also chaotic neutral. There's all sorts of really cool things like little goblins. Is uh, cosmotronic blast seeker, counterflux blast seeker, flux blast speaker, galvanic blast seeker. These are all from the Izzet League, right? Yeah, and and they're, they're little little Mega Man guys with arm cannons. Pretty much, um, you have the different Obsidad ghosts. Now these, remember, there was a council of them. Yeah, these guys are only CR eight. But there's a fucking council of them. Rakdos himself is a CR-24. And he kind of looks a bit like a not-decaying Orcus. Yes. And he's going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Orcus and the others. He's only huge, but he's also huge. Yeah. So, um, and he gets all sorts of crazy, horrible things that are called um, the Curtain Call Scythe weapon. There is Sadistic Revelry and Touch of Pain. Those are legendary actions. You don't fuck with Rakdos. You get other things like Blood Witches, Rakdos Lampooners, Performers. Um, Celestia NPCs are Trastani, who of course is the one of the new large fey creatures, as well as the Horncaller, which I think was your nickname in college, Dan. And then in, for the Simic NPCs, uh, you get this crazy um, Zagana, who's a merfolk. CR 16. We, we're lacking for merfolk. There are only two stat blocks for merfolk. Yeah. And now we get her, and she's awesome. And you get a pretty decent breakdown for a CR 10 Biomancer with up to 8th level spells. Cool. And that's the end of the book. And then it's suddenly just done. There is no appendix. Remember they gave us yeah. all, all of this stuff, the sidebars and everything else up at the front, right? And that's it. That's the whole book. I'm kind of upset there's not a table of... Oh, sorry, appendix or indexes or anything. The, I mean, well, you don't really need them, but at the same time... No, you, you don't need them. They gave us where the sidebars are The table at the of contacts actually does its job. Yeah. Weird. Let's roll dice, Dan. What are our overall impressions? Okay. Got a 12. I got a 15. I fucking love this book. Everything in this book is useful to me. I may not be pulling out the 10th district in every single one of my campaigns, but I guarantee I will use that at some point in a homebrew as a already built, smaller than Sharn city. Um, for me, I, I I mean, it's called Guild Masters. There's got a, such a heavy focus on the guilds. And as a lazy DM, as we've said many times before, if I'm building a homebrew thing, but just are, am too busy in my day-to-day life, I don't want to put that much effort into it, basing your game on guilds and what they can do gives you kind of a nice little uh, modular uh, path of thought that you could build and put away and then you never really have to think twice about it again, right? Um, the fact that that does that for you in this book and I could just take Boros and change its, change its name to 
whatever I want. And right? then allow dwarves in it and, and you're good dwarves. to go. And you're good to go. I love that. And the fact that there are so many different ways to build into that guild folk uh, focus is 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 great right and and i will pull so much from this book because of that it did not have that technomancy shit that i was afraid of it doesn't have that heavy focus on the mechanics of uh magic the gathering, magic the gathering that i was yeah. afraid of so yeah man I'll, I'll use the shit out of this book i fucking love this as my secret weapon that my players don't know that i have yeah to pull a whole bunch of really interesting and specific not just monsters, but details that they probably have never thought about before. And that's the thing, right? Like, you have people like me who've been playing this game for years upon years upon years upon years. If if they sit down and they play at this game, it's like watching that DM pull out a model that nobody at the table has any idea. Oh, that's of, a penis. Right? We've had that. Thank you, Pepperina. Um, no, that wasn't Peps. That was uh, Yogs. That, that was, was Yogs. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. God damn that encounter. You guys are fa- fighting a bunch of pink jellies. Ugh. They were literally little jelly penises that were on the on the map. Our game is different than others. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, having that moment of surprising a veteran player with a monster that they weren't thinking of. The Sky Swimmer is one of these things where it's just like it's a roiling a serpent of teeth in the sky. Right? Like you just don't think about it. Right? And the giving that moment of newness of uh freshness novelty a exp- uh, novelty to an experienced player yeah man i'm just that alone makes this book a buy you can be a fan of magic and be a, a relatively new D player that doesn't want to do one of the basic campaigns like i don't want to get locked into someone else's you know thought baby um for the next 10 months yeah um, but I really love Magic the Gathering and I know a lot of my players do as well and we have a bunch of cards from Ravnica and stuff. It's a familiar enough setting. You can pick up this book as being your fifth purchase and run with it. Yeah. And frankly, if you don't use the subclasses in Xanathar's, you don't need that. No. And honestly, if you are okay homebrewing your own magic items, you don't need the DMG. There, You still need the Monster Manual. You still need the Player's Handbook. But there's a lot that this book does, which is really useful and really helpful. I yeah. fucking love this book. Dave loves Eberron as a campaign setting, and so do I. The Ravnica book was a fucking surprise. It might be... Everyone's talking Theros right now because it's the latest thing to come out. And everyone shat on Ravnica because it was the first Magic the Gathering thing to come out. Everyone stomped their feet and said, we hate it. Stop doing cross promotion. I, I, I think it's just because of the limitations it put on the other campaign not being able to have dwarves not being able to have half orcs and, right? uh, yeah but people were also pissed off that uh, Wizards of the Coast was doing this cross promotional thing to just sell more products yeah but then they came up with Rick and Morty versus D&D and no, nah. and nobody cared yeah. but, well, but I did. Ravnica <laughs> Ravnica itself is such a good book yeah it really is it deserves to be in the same conversation as Eberron it is, in my opinion, a better book than Theros. I would agree, actually. After breaking down Theros and seeing the cool things, like... Theros has a lot of fun Greek flavor, but Ravnica's... It's, it's a messy book. Yeah, Ravnica's well built, yeah. well fleshed out. Um, I guess the last thing that we do, let's roll dice on this again, Dan. Let's give our grade ranking. I got a 19. I got a 5. Um, I'm going to give it a solid a the solid and then i'm hesitating uh a solid a i want to say a minus um 
only because the application of this will take a little bit of work into your own homebrew campaign. Yeah. Okay. Right? It's and, not quite as modular. It's as you It's not want quite to. as modular as I wanted it to be. Um, that's the only reason why a minus it's, it's an easy, it's easy to take these out and put them into your campaign. If you put a significant amount of thought into it um, in terms of changing names and, and goals and stuff like that, it gives you a good skeletal feature like this is what they've built around these guilds i can thus do the same with mine but taking these guilds straight out and plopping them into your own homebrew is hard to do so um that's why i give it an a minus um and it's so heavily focused on the guilds which i mean if you have guilds that's what you're putting in. if you don't have guilds in your campaign there's not much use for this book other than the bestiary um yeah so i uh, so i no, i'd say b plus because of that last fact. Um, that's not entirely true. It did give us the Loxodon. It gave us the Minotaurs, the player character. It gave us um, a, a lot of fun player yes, options. It reduced the size of the Minotaur and the Centaur. I, I don't care. I, like, I really don't give a shit. You can make them large size if you want. That's not a big difficult thing to do. Plus, I absolutely love the two new um, subclasses in this book. Okay. Here's the only thing that I was really missing. I don't need it to be modular because I don't mind doing that extra little bit of legwork. You're talking about how it's hard to do. I'm like, it adds 20 minutes to my prep work. Per guild. Per guild. But if I'm going to, I'm only going to pull one guild at a time. And that's, I'm not going to reflavor the whole fucking book. Yeah. I might as well just play in Ravnica and use my own bullshit words then. Right? If I, But if I want something that's going to be an evil carnival or an evil church that's involved in crime syndicates and whatnot, the work is done for me. And... None of the players around my table are going to know what the Rakdos cult is yeah. or the Orzhov syndicate. So I don't even have to change the words. I just pull it out of Ravnica. The only thing that I change is what district it's in, right? Yeah, you change headquarters names and that's it. Yeah, and so I find that really easy. The thing that I'm missing here is we did not get a world map for Ravnica. We don't know what the other districts are. We don't know what the world looks like. We got a very brief page and a half history. And that's not what this game is about. No. When you're playing in Ravnica, you're playing for the flavor of the political intrigue. But I want to go to the outskirts of the world and start dicking around up against this mountain range that you've got to pass through. And like, there's there's a lot of really cool shit in this book. I missed the overall world. I wanted a world map. Even if it was just a two-page spread, and they say, yep, here's a world map. District 3 is here. And then it shows, I don't know, a volcano in it. That's enough for me to run with. I have no fucking idea. Yeah. So that's why for me, this sits at an A-. minus. They have not missed yet with a campaign guide. Each one of their campaign settings has been fucking amazing. Except Sword Coast Adventures Guide. Which yeah. was such a swing and a miss. And it, it was, was also like, it, it was the premature ejaculate of 5e. They, they, it came out way too early and it was, no one was prepared for it. Everyone was disappointed by it. Like they, nobody they got know. that moment of bliss with it. First of all, it was published by, by a third party. Like they, they got a third party writing yeah, yeah, yeah. A group to come in and do it. And you can fucking tell they gave you the broad generalization of what previous editions had given us. What'll be kind of important. Don't worry. We'll flesh it out in later books. And then they never fucking do. They don't get into how magic works in the world or we who need the a big players are. We need are. a Sword Coast Adventures Guide Redux. Frankly, we need a proper massive 400 page Forgotten Realms book. Yep. And don't, don't redo what was in the Sword Coast Adventures Guide. It was already, what they gave us was fine. It just wasn't enough. 
It, I disagree with that. I think they they they. There do was need no to... there was no information in there that was bad. It ju- was just broad. Okay. As far as um as far as these campaign settings go, though, Ravnica really challenges my love for Eberron to be the best campaign setting book. Yeah. I I know what I would I would agree with that. Um, only because I'm not a huge fan of Eberron. Um, I know it's Dave's jam, but like it, it just it doesn't. It doesn't tickle me the way I, I I want a good campaign setting to do. And Theros was such a messy book; it was hard to really stand behind it. This one's well put together. You get a good idea. I mean, yeah, we're missing a map, we're missing other things, but like if I want to run a Ravnica thing, I'm set. I can do it. Yeah, there was not really the stat blocks we get, the info that we get. There wasn't a swing and a miss in here. No, I'm really really happy with this book. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? No. Nope. No, me neither. I like, I'm feeling good about this. I recommend this to any dungeon master who is going to go out of his way to try new things yep. to surprise uh, experienced players. This this is a second campaign book in my mind. As a newbie player, you don't play Ravnica. No, not unless you're already familiar with it from Magic. It's weird that they started with Ravnica. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about the Magic settings. Um, me too. When they came out with Ravnica and they're like, it's a Magic the Gathering setting. I'm like... I mean, this isn't just a battle card game. Like, they have more lore beyond what... That little descriptor in the bottom. The, the lore oh, in yeah. Magic is fucking deep. It is. It is. And then Ravnica showed me that. Yeah. So, I guess that's it for this episode on the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at www.itsamimic.com or email us at info at itsamimic.com. These books are not cheap. And we're planning to buy them all to review them for you. If you would like to help us out, head over to our website and hit that donate button. We would really appreciate it. Or buy some swag. Or buy some swag if you want to get some shit for your money. Yep. Thanks for listening to the It's Mimic podcast. And make sure to check out more Legend Lord episodes when we cover new releases as they happen. As well as, and I promise we're going to do this soon, we're going to go over some of the previously published 5th edition books. um, Now that we've got a little bit of perspective on them. Also going to get uh, the different ranks as an extra, <laughs> a sideshow Terry, act, yeah. Terry, okay. a sideshow act, a blood witch, a star performer, or the ringmaster. Literally all Terry except for that last one. The ringmaster depends on what that ring is this... and where on his body it is. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>